Hello, my friends, and welcome. Today is May 20th, 2020. It would have been the 48th anniversary for my parents had my mom, was if my mom were alive today. Uh, as you might tell from this introduction, we are going to talk about grief and what it does. All right, let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right, welcome. My name is Joe. Uh, I am excited to get started. There's a lot that I want to talk about today. I've had a lot of different ideas of what this episode would look like. I actually have one done that I was going to put up that I think I'm going to put up next weekend because of the holiday. Uh, the day that this goes up will be a Wednesday. The day before that, Tuesday the 19th, was the last day or is the anniversary of the last day that I've ever talked to my mom here on earth, 18 years ago, uh, the last time I ever talked to my mom. And so that brings with it uh, some grief and it was also, uh, the 19th was also a friend of mine's son's birthday who passed away last year. And his son was in his 20s. And that was an accidental uh, situation. And yet it brings great grief, uh, tremendous amount of pain. And, and I feel like we need to talk about that in general. And we, we definitely need to talk about it in this time of COVID. And then I might talk a little bit about uh, things I hope my kids learn. There's a whole list um, I think it's a funny story. I've been talking to a lot of parents and I feel like a lot of parents are just done with the whole, you're staying and working from home. You're a homeschooling parent or you're working out of the house and you're a homeschooling parent and you're trying to figure out English lit, 10th grade algebra, fifth grade, uh, math, and you're just done and you're scared to death that you're going to ruin your kids. And I just want to tell you, it's okay. It is okay, period. I was thinking we might talk about The Last Dance again, Michael Jordan, uh, you, you know, some things I've been taking away from watching that, and I'll be honest, I've watched every episode twice. I don't watch a lot of TV, so that's a lot of TV for me, 20 hours. Um, I, I, it was so dysfunctional. Their organization was, there was so much uh, distraction, there was so much opportunity for dislike, and so many people, when they, when they chase something, they, they run into those types of obstacles and they stop. And Jordan didn't. So we're going to talk about that, but not today. Sometime in the future. Uh, I've done it in the past with, with three questions for change. What do you want? What are you willing to pay? What are you willing to risk? And those are three great questions. And one of the things is I'm continuing to flesh them out is I realize a lot of people who want to be excellent who want to be great at what they do, they're not willing to pay the price to be excellent. They're not willing to pay the price to be great. If they want a great relationship, they're not willing to pay that price. They're not willing to live in the pain that is required to be great in a relationship. And, and that's just a truth. I, a lot of people get angry with that. A lot of people push back on that. A lot of people get upset with that. And I think in part they get upset because it's true. And so that's something that we're going to talk about in the future. Let's talk about grief today, though. Uh, some of you out there have lost parents. 
You've lost loved ones. You've lost a mom or a dad at a young age. Uh, some of you have lost a spouse. Some of you have lost a child. Uh, yesterday, my friend celebrated his son's 25th birthday. His first birthday without his son. And when it's a parent to a son, and maybe even an older teenage child, early adult child to a parent, one of the things that comes with grief is regret. I regret a Christmas where uh, I was home. I was in college, uh, probably near, probably in the middle of my college career. I was home. I, by home, I mean my parents' house. And I uh, uh, made up, I actually didn't make up, I picked up a shift at work uh, that was a short shift that normally I would have turned down because I lived about an hour away from, from my parents' house and I worked, obviously, where I lived. But I would have turned it down because it would have been, wouldn't have been worth a, a two-hour, a four-hour shift wouldn't have been worth a two-hour drive. But this time what I said was, oh, since it's a two-hour drive, I'll just go back and I'll work. And I told my parents, and then I'll just hang out at my apartment, which was true-ish. The truth was I wanted to hang out with my girlfriend that my parents wouldn't have liked or approved of. Uh, and so I, I, I regret that because now I don't have any Christmases with my mom. Uh, we, I was married probably, let me think, I still lived in Maryland, so it had to be I was married under four years. And my mom and I were talking one time, and this was right around the time that the first cell phones really became ubiquitous. Uh, we were late to the cell phone game, but we did get the Nokia, you know, it looked like a little walkie talkie and I was on that phone and it was blue. And I was talking to my mom and I don't even remember what the conversation was about, but I do remember getting mad at my mom. She defended my wife for something. I remember that. And I felt like her defending my wife was somehow being disloyal to me because I was stupid and, uh, not very emotionally intelligent. And I don't remember what it was about, but I can, I'm telling you, I can tell you where I was. I was on my front porch. I was, it, it was warm out. And I can hear today the pain in her voice when I got mad and yelled through that phone. And I don't tell you that so you feel bad for me. I don't tell you that. I don't know why I tell you. I think I tell you that because I want you to know that you're going to have regrets and it's okay. Like, I know, I know, intellectually, I know my mom, probably if she were alive today, wouldn't even remember that conversation. But the pain's still real. And anybody who tells you the pain goes away is either trying to sell you something or they're a liar. And grief is real. I recently heard... Uh, from a fellow therapist about two clients that lost a baby after months of trying for infertility. I was talking to someone on the other side of the state uh, who mentored a fifth grader, well, mentored a student, I think, when, probably when he was in fourth grade. And that student, who was a fifth grader this year, committed suicide just a few days ago. There is pain and grief to go the world many times over. So what do we do about it? My friend whose son passed last year has a lot of regrets about how he lived a large portion of his life and, and what that meant for his children, for his two older sons who were surviving, 
for his younger son who is no longer with us, for his wife who is with us. And there's grief and there's pain. And one of the things about grief is you can be driving down the road. I'm driving down the road today. I need to go to the chiropractor. I've got this slip disc in my back, uh, which has pinched a nerve. And I've been taking medicine and going to the chiropractor and just living in pain. Uh, for people who live in constant pain, give them a whole lot of grief, or a whole lot of grief, a whole lot of, of mercy and grace. Give them space. Uh, it's just, it's amazing how much energy gets sapped when you're in constant pain. Uh, all my typing now is just about done by voice texting on my computer or my phone because I can't type with my arm because where the nerve is pinched, my arm goes numb. And you think about that physical pain. I'm driving down a road that I've driven down. Uh, I mean, I'm sure we're probably close. We've got to be in the thousands. I've lived here just almost 15 years uh, driving down the road. And I can feel my mom's presence somehow. And, and there's certainly some of my theologically minded friends would say, well, that's not good theology. And I, I would agree. But we're not here to discuss theology today. So go read some Spurgeon. Uh and immediately there is this competing wrestling of emotions inside your body of, you know, joy because you have this fond memory. Uh, my mom's cooking was something that she loved to do. And you'd go into her house and the smell would just permeate everything. And there's this certain smell that you get when garlic is being sautéed in good olive oil on a good cast iron skillet. And when I cook and I smell that, I, I am right there. When I drive down this road today and I see the trees and I saw a bird and I see nature and I know how much she enjoyed those things to look at, you're immediately filled with a sense of joy and happiness and overwhelming, crushing grief, pain. Uh, if you're not subscribed to my webpage, I'd encourage you to do that, joemartino.com. You can click on the subscribe button by putting in your email address, and you will get one to two emails a week from me. I say that because tomorrow's blog post, or article as they call them now, is going to deal with this very topic. Grieving the loss of my mom. She's missed, I feel, the best years of my adult life. She's missed me almost... Uh, she, she's missed our, our, our children, or me almost. I was going to say she's missed us not having children, struggling through infertility. Uh, she, she caught that part of it, the tail end of it. But she passed away in June of 2002, and my oldest daughter was born in September of 2002. So she missed being a grandparent, which is one of the, the things she talked about the most. <laughs> uh, she, she handpicked my wife for me. There's no way around that. Um, she literally handpicked my wife for me. And so she missed that. She missed us building our businesses. She missed us moving around all over the place uh, and then settling down here in Michigan and, and putting in roots. And she missed all of my kids' births, all of my kids' milestones. My son, she would have gone crazy over all of my kids for different reasons. But my son, he acts quite a bit like his father, and, and she would have just gone crazy about all of that. And it's all gone. It's all, there's always a sense of loss. And so here's the thing that I want to tell you. It's okay to feel that sense of loss. It's okay 
to, to constantly have that niggling pain at the back of your brain. In fact, I'm not sure it goes away. For as many people as I talk to, I've not met anyone that it goes away. It just gets different. It changes. It, it, you learn to carry it. But it's, it's, in fact, I was just talking to, to my friend whose son passed away just this morning, and, or his son passed away a year ago, and we were talking this morning, and we were talking about how, how, how fast it goes. Like, it's just like, oh my goodness, it's there. And then at the same time, how slow it goes. And, and there's just a lot of different emotions and feelings. And I think one of the things that hurts us is we're addicted to control or the sense of control. And grief, you can't control it. You just live with it. Uh, a, a friend of mine put this quote on my Facebook while I posted yesterday. It was the anniversary of, of not talking to my mom. And he said, uh, he likes this quote from Natalie Hemrick. I'm hoping I'm saying that last name right. In fact, I'm hoping I'm saying both those names right. We do not, quote, get over, end quote, a death. We learn to carry the grief and integrate the loss in our lives. In our hearts, we carry those who have died. We grieve and we love we remember. And I think that's the key. In remembering, we're going to experience pain, but we're also going to experience a level of joy that can't be expressed. When I was a coach, I liked to have themes. I coached for a number of years, a number of different sports, and I like to have themes for the season. Uh, I like to have uh, mottos. I'd like to have a, 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 every day we'd have a meeting and we'd go over a, a, a a motivational thought. We use John Wooden's uh, uh, Tower of Success. I think it's called or Pyramid of Success. We use those a lot. And we just talked about the different aspects of, of motivation, motivating ourselves, motivating others. And, and one of the things that I actually brought all the way from my high school years was the idea that to risk nothing is to risk everything. And one of the things that I'm seeing a lot, as I talk to therapists, I know they're seeing it a lot. There are a lot of people who are just checking out on the relationship idea because they've had pain. So they're going to risk nothing. But if we run that out and risking nothing, they're risking everything. And so one of the things that, that I want to talk to you about today is embrace the ones you love. Live, love them. Live with them. Hug them. Tell them you love them. Don't let politics divide you. Don't let drama divide you. Make memories. Take pictures. I don't care if you think you're fat. Take the picture. Take it. Embrace every moment that you can. Do what you have to do to make it right, if you got to make it right. And if you're living on the other side, excuse me, if you're living on the other side of that, honor that. Embrace it. Suck every morsel of love and grief out of the memory. And then when the memory comes back tomorrow, do it again. Without love, our lives are incomplete. But love doesn't come without pain. I'd like to tell you I've made my peace with the fact that I'll never talk to my mom again. And I don't want you to think I just have regretful memories. I have awesome memories. I have a memory of my wedding day uh, when we were walking up to uh, light the candles and the outfit she had on. She was so proud of it. She had it custom made for my wedding. And I remember I whispered to her, smile, because today we're royalty, which is something of an inside, was something of an inside joke between us. 
I have a lot of good memories. And I can't think of those good memories without thinking of the bad ones. Which means I can't think of the bad ones without thinking of the good ones. You can choose to not risk grief. You can. But you'll never fully experience life. You'll never experience life as it was created and meant to be experienced. Death was never supposed to be a part of this story. I get that. I believe that. But it is. And we live, we love, and we die. And then those of us who are left, we remember and we live. So embrace life. Chase it. And if you're sad today because a loved one passed on today or it was something important somehow in that relationship, experience that grief. Live in that grief. If you lost babies that you've never met, my wife and I have lost three. You can grieve them. It is okay to be sad. It's not okay to be mean to other people. And sometimes I think this is where we get messed up. We treat other people poorly because we're grieving. And so somehow then as a society, we've just decided to go with our all or nothing thinking and we just pretend like we don't grieve. That's beyond silly. That's actually stupid. And so it is okay to grieve. It's good to grieve. Honor those you love and who are no longer with you by grieving. And then honor them by living and loving and enjoying life. I really and truly believe that when I take my family camping, I'm honoring my mom. When I take my kids on vacation, my wife on vacation, I'm honoring my mom. When I hug my son and kiss him and my teenage daughters when they allow me to, I'm honoring my mom. I'm honoring the babies that we never met. One of them we would have to play choose because my wife, if if she had gone to full term with the second baby that we lost, we never would have, actually maybe the third baby, the third baby that we lost, we never would have had our middle daughter Cadence. We never would have met her. And while she is... Uh, my gentle giant. She is truly my gentle giant. She's the most kind soul you'll ever meet. She looks just like my mom. She makes facial expressions like my mom, and she never met her. And every time I see them, I am overwhelmed with feelings, I positive feelings that I cannot express to you. I am an inadequate storyteller in this episode. And then I'm filled with grief because she looks just like my mom. I was driving down that same road today and I saw a guy that looked like a guy in our church, uh, from our, our church named Ron. Ron and Janice, they, they was the couple's name. They're an older couple. The first time I ever met Janice in person, she had heard me speak a couple times in public. And the first time I ever met her in person was at some sort of community dinner. And she said, you can sit next to me. I don't bite unless you ask me to. And I mean, she was probably in her late 60s. I don't know, middle, mid-60s. I have no idea. She was retired, I think. And I laughed and I was a little taken back and I sat down. And Ron got sick uh, about a year ago. We went and visited him in the hospital and he never came home. And then Janice just passed a few weeks ago and they're gone. Here's the thing that I, that I, I hope my grief does for me and I pray that it does for you, my friend. They're gone. Now we just live with the memories they left us. And I pray that I live my life so that when I'm gone, the memories that I leave for other people will be positive, will be memories of hope, memories of fun, memories of living life. 
that while living life, we lived life. That we grabbed life and shook it for all it was worth. Uh, I have this list of things that I hope my kids learn. Occasionally, I, I write about it on my website. Occasionally, I make videos about it. Uh, I went to a wedding a couple years ago, and, and, and they, the, the, the bride and groom had this list of family values that they wanted to teach their kid. And they did a good job. They were very concise. And I think they had seven. I have 109. And, and you know, they vary. There are different ones. Uh, things like be wise. Choose what's right for now, the long term, and eternity. Uh, that's number one. Number two is kill fear. Every time I put that one on a meme, people are like, wait, you can't kill anything. Uh, you don't eat meat then. Expect hard or do hard things. Do your best, but know when good is enough. Family is always family. Be you. Make your life about more than you. Push yourself, but find time to rest. Embrace fear. Love deeply. Say I love you. Hug and kiss. Dance, because dancing makes memories. Be cautious of intensity. Consistency wins over intensity every time. Don't hide behind God. Whenever possible, do good. Don't be so afraid of dying that you fail to live. I'm a little afraid that that's what our society is caught up in right now. We're so polarized on everything. We shout each other down rather than living in each other's grief. And I wonder if it isn't because we're so afraid to die that we're not willing to live. Life and love are both risky. They both bring with them the risk of pain, deep pain. And to avoid that pain at all costs will cost us both of them. It's, it, it's, it's inherent in the price tag. You can avoid the pain, but the cost is then you avoid the benefits. And so that's something that I hope my kids learn. I hope that my life, that the grief of my regrets with my mom, the grief of her not being with me, motivate me to do different things in my life. I can easily motivate myself from what I consider uh, uh, snides. You know, uh, I had a, a college prof tell my wife, who was then my girlfriend, that she should break up with me and because I'd never amount to anything. I am tempted to send him a postcard every time I do something and it works. Because, like, I, I'm, I'm willing... Uh, there's probably a lot of psychological reasons for that that aren't, don't need to be shared here on this. But I'm willing to, to engage in that argument. Okay, cool, let's do that. I'm willing, there was, there was a, um, another person who told my mom that, you know, I'll pray, well, let's just say they weren't very complimentary. And, and I can use that. But I don't want to just use that because that's how you become cynical. I don't mind using it. I don't even think there's anything necessarily wrong. I think it would be wrong to send the guy postcards. But I don't think there's anything wrong with, with having that motivation in your brain. I've given that a lot of thought. Uh, but I do think that people who only use the, the, the slights and the snides to motivate themselves, they become cynical. And so there has to be some motivation from a place of love, a place of vulnerability, a place of good pain. And I think that's something that we don't really think about much in our society. There probably is such a thing as good pain. And it's okay if we live in that good pain. Well, what is good pain? Pain is a, 
good pain is a pain that comes from a grief that comes from a life well lived, a life spent loving others, a life that was about more than us, a life that embraced both the good and the bad of life, a life that made the world a little bit of a better place, that made others' lives a little bit better, a life that didn't let mistakes define it. If you're still breathing, I don't care if you've literally, and I don't think this is possible, if you've literally made a mistake, like a big mistake, every day of your life for every year that you've been alive, and you just think you've ruined everything, if you're still breathing, you haven't. That's literally what we've built our entire practice on. Change possible. Embrace love, embrace pain. My friends, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know who's listening to this where. But I do know that there is a ton of pain and a ton of grief out there. I know that it can be cathartic to talk about it. I know that it can be uplifting to share it with others. I know it can be empowering to journal about it. And I also know none of those things take it away. It's almost always there. It's always there in some form or another. And so many people, they they do the exact opposite of what will actually help them move through it. They rail against it rather than embracing it. M. Scott Peck said life is hard and that we have to accept that because once we accept it, life doesn't get easier. We just transcend the fact that it's hard. That's a very loose translation. I think it's on page four of his book, uh, The Life, The Road Less Traveled. But may you be a person who loves deeply. May you be a person who embraces the possibility of pain because of the joy of relationship. May you be a person who makes it right. May you be a person who seeks reconciliation. May you be, my friend, be a person who finds joy in pain, suffering, and love. May you be well this day and all the days to come. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.